I'm going to try to preach holding a microphone. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, you see the title of the sermon already up there on the screen. We're going to look this morning um, at what, what has quickly risen among my ever-growing list of favorite passages. <laughs> uh, I say that because in the study of this passage that I have found that this short narrative we're going to look at this morning that describes the meeting of Mary and Elizabeth as well as the sons they each carried and the resulting excitement and the joy they had. It's given me great joy and excitement and interest as I've contemplated its meaning over the past many days of studying it. In so many ways, this passage has sharpened for me certain beliefs that I already held. Perhaps I could say that things I already believed, I believe with even more confidence after having prepared this message. I'm going to explain that more as we get into it, but let me give you one example. I've always believed that life begins at conception, that all life is sacred, even while in the womb. But from this day forward, if I have any conversations about the sanctity of life, I will not fail to mention the meeting of Mary and Elizabeth. And I believe that the Christian is compelled by Scripture to be pro-life. And this passage very clearly for me makes the case much stronger. We will get into that at some point. But first, let us consider what it is that we are to take away from this passage. In fact, I believe this is one of those short passages that could be preached with many specific focuses. I had trouble deciding which way to go on it. In fact, there was so much in there. Now, many different focuses on this passage could be valid and correct. And in fact, you could make a sermon series just on this little passage with a lot of different information in it and challenges. Um, but in the interest of reaching Luke 2 by Christmas time, which is what the goal is, we're going to keep just one sermon on this passage, unless I change my mind during the week, which is entirely possible. Uh, the big idea that we're going to focus on this morning is this. When God confirms his word, we should joyfully celebrate his gifts to us. So as we look at this main idea, we're going to consider the following things that all happen in this brief encounter. And they are all starting with E. Sometimes preachers like to do that, you know. Energy, excitement, explanation, and encouragement. Energy that... Mary put her faith into action and went to Elizabeth. That was Holy and Spirit empowerment. Then excitement, Elizabeth and John reacted, which was Holy Spirit endorsement. And explanation, Elizabeth explained her excitement, which was Holy Spirit exposition. And encouragement, Elizabeth encouraged Mary, which was Holy Spirit exhortation. All right. So let me quickly set up this passage by reminding you of where we were last week. Last week, we looked at how the angel Gabriel came to speak to Mary and give her the news about how she was going to be God's servant in one of the most amazing and certainly the most unique roles in the entire salvation story. Unique because no other virgin girl or woman has ever had the role of having a baby for any reason, much less to be chosen to bear the Son of God. 
And Mary submitted to the role that she was given with great faith. And now we move into what she does next, which is to travel to see Elizabeth. Because the angel had just told her, your relative Elizabeth is in her six months. So, with all of that said, let's look at the passage and then we'll get into it. Starting at Luke chapter 1 and verse 39 and just to verse 45, only seven verses this morning. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. When God confirms his word, we should joyfully celebrate his gifts to us. Remember those four E's, energy, excitement, explanation, and encouragement. So, obviously, I'm using the letter E this morning. Hang in there. It's going to go even further with the E's. Uh, in fact, there's a whole other set of E's we're going to talk about in a moment. But the first E we're going to discuss is energy. And linked to that word energy is another E, empowerment. Holy Spirit empowerment. Mary quickly put her faith into action and went to Elizabeth. And that was Holy Spirit empowered. Mary hurried or went with haste, depending on your translation. She moved with great energy. This energy came from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we can be thankful for Luke. He taught us a lot in both the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Acts that he wrote. How the Holy Spirit gives people empowerment. Mary's energy was not all of her own energy. She's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and she hurried. She went on with haste. And so it is that many Bible scholars agree that Mary was probably at this meeting with Elizabeth within four days or so of her meeting with Gabriel. We may be left with questions about her hurrying to Elizabeth. Did she explain things to her parents? Did she tell them at all? How well did she know Elizabeth? We don't know these things. Were they like some close relatives where they had a deep love and affection for one another? Or were they like some of our other relatives where we know who they are, we've seen them before, but we really don't know them. We don't know much about them. And scripture doesn't tell us all of that. But we do know that the journey on foot that Mary took would have been about three to four days. But the wording Luke uses is that she went in a hurry or with great haste, she moved with intention. And why not? She had the encounter with Gabriel. And we can safely assume that almost immediately after that encounter, the Holy Spirit had come upon her to bring about the miracle of the baby Jesus in her womb. Did she have a sense of what had happened? Did a warm feeling come over her? Did she understand that the baby was already beginning to grow? 
Again, we don't know. We only know what scripture tells us. We only know that she offered herself in obedience and submission and in humility. But as the angel was telling her about what was going to happen to her, as a further confirmation of the truth of that message, he told her that her relative, Elizabeth, in her old age, had conceived a son and she was already in her sixth month of pregnancy. Of course, this was probably new to Mary. Um, She probably just heard that for the first time from Gabriel. And why did she rush then to see Elizabeth? Perhaps she wanted her faith increased by verifying the truth of Gabriel's message. Or maybe she was just so excited about what was happening to her that she wanted to talk about it with someone who had also experienced the hand of God in an amazing way. Certainly, we could understand if she wanted to share her excitement with someone. Some have said, well, she was fleeing her familiar surroundings to protect herself from being condemned as an adulteress, but I am not inclined to take that reason very seriously. For one, Scripture doesn't tell us directly that was the case, but also we will learn later that she would stay with Elizabeth about three months and then go home. So if the first three months of a pregnancy can easily be hidden, wouldn't it make more sense if that was her only concern about her neighbors talking? Why wouldn't she leave after the first three months? At any rate, Mary was in a hurry and she was energized by the Holy Spirit who empowers people to do things. When God confirms his word, we should joyfully celebrate his gifts to us. Our next D is excitement. Elizabeth and John reacted to the arrival of Mary and Jesus. And this excitement shows us the Holy Spirit endorsement of Mary's child. This excitement is explained by both action and word. In action, the baby John leaped in Elizabeth's womb. When a mother is carrying a baby in the womb, there's a point where she begins to feel movement of that baby. And sometimes it becomes clear that the baby is reacting to the sound of the parent's voice. The baby might move, kick outward, turn around. We know even more about this today than Mary and Elizabeth would have known because ultrasounds have showed us some of the things that babies do in the womb. They suck their thumb, they grab their feet, they do other actions in the womb. But even without ultrasounds, mothers throughout human history have had the excitement of feeling the baby move within the womb. In scripture, we see another example of this. Scripture tells us about how Rebecca's children struggled within her. And she must have realized this because she asked, why is this happening to me? You see, that is the thing about her twin boys. They were already struggling with each other even before they were born. Just great brothers, right? (laughs) But the movement of babies in the womb is quite normal. In this case, however, something was clearly different. This baby, John, leaped in the womb. This action was something other than what Elizabeth had normally observed. Otherwise, it would have gone unnoticed, probably. This was different. And certainly this is one of those verifications of what has been told thus far. Remember what Gabriel said to Zechariah about his child. He said he would be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. 
You see, it's normal for a baby to make a movement in reaction to his mother's voice. But it's not normal for a baby to leap at the arrival of a stranger. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Leaping is a sign of excitement. You might remember that David leaped and danced. When? When the ark of God was coming back. And in fact, it was so bad that his wife, Michal, or Michelle, we should call her Michelle, uh, she saw his uncontainable joy and she despised him for it. And her consequence, scripture tells us, is that as a result, she never had a child. Isn't that interesting? But in this case, the excitement of the baby John was a contagious excitement that Elizabeth joined in on. The excitement of the baby was evidenced by movement. The excitement of Elizabeth was manifested in words. It says she exclaimed with a loud cry. In the New Living Translation, it says Elizabeth gave a glad cry. She was excited as well. Her excitement raises other questions for us to consider, such as, how did she know the things she was saying? The answer is the Holy Spirit, of course. And we're going to get more about that in a moment. Verse 42, she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So John reacted by jumping or leaping in the womb. Elizabeth responded by making a declaration. This excitement is evidence of the Holy Spirit's endorsement. The Holy Spirit is endorsing Mary and her child to Elizabeth. Before Mary even has a chance to tell Elizabeth what happened to her. And somehow Elizabeth knows the moment Mary arrives... That she is carrying the Lord. Verse 43. Why is this granted to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. Elizabeth recognizes that Mary is pregnant. Which certainly could not be observed physically. Since the baby was probably only four to five days old at this point. And not only that. But this child was Messiah. Now, excitement is great, but what happens when someone is excited, but no one knows why they're excited? Have you ever been so excited about something you couldn't speak? Or maybe you've known someone who is so excited they can't tell you what they're excited about. What happens then? You, you see the excitement on their face. To an extent, it's contagious, right? And so you're getting excited too, but you don't know why. Unless they tell you why they're excited you're not able to fully share in their delight. So Elizabeth now explains why she said what she said. So there's an explanation. Elizabeth explains her excitement. And I added to that Holy Spirit exposition. Holy Spirit exposition. What is exposition? Well, we call a style of preaching expository. It's taking the word verse by verse and explaining its meaning. That's what I attempt to do each week. The Bible is not always immediately clear to those who read or hear it, so an explanation is sometimes needed. In Nehemiah, when the law was read, the priests, after the law was read, helped the people to understand the law. 
And scripture tells us they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the meaning. In other words, they they read it, and then they explained it. In Acts 8, we see a Ethiopian eunuch. You may remember that story. And he realized he needed someone to explain God's word to him. It says, Philip ran to him. This is Acts 8, verse 30. And heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he answered, or he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come. And sit with him. So sometimes we need an explanation. Elizabeth explains her excitement. But even her explanation is only based on what she could understand. And so she says. Behold when the sound of your greeting came to my ears. The baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now we can see that Elizabeth does not fully understand. How she knows what she knows. She knows that when Mary spoke, the baby leaped, but this does not explain why she knows that Mary is blessed among women. Or more literally, why Mary is blessed above all women. It doesn't explain how she knew Mary was the mother of her Lord. You see, Elizabeth gives an explanation, but from her observations as a human, there's no way she could have known these things. Unless the Holy Spirit helped her. Simon Peter did not get credit for knowing that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, to which Jesus replied in Matthew 16, 17, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, who's in heaven. In the same way, we see that Elizabeth has not somehow deduced by reasoning what she's saying. This is Holy Spirit-empowered exposition. Now, I want to talk about what I said earlier and what I meant when I said this passage is one of my new go-to passages regarding the sanctity of life. Now, there are those who support abortion being available and legal. And even among them, most people agree that abortions in the third trimester should be illegal. In fact, most countries, other than ours, uh, do not allow abortion beyond the six-month Maybe in the sense that it comes from a realization that, hey, this is a real baby. After all, you can see that it's taking up some space. You can feel it kick. But all but the most extreme abortion propagandists agree with that. But what about the first several months of pregnancy? There are those who say, well, that's not a human being yet. It's only a potential human being, they might say. Now, logically, that doesn't hold up. From the very moment of conception, there's a new life with its own unique DNA. Science can prove that. Christians have wrestled with this question of when life begins, yet really it does begin at conception. You see, just because the baby is not fully formed yet, this does not mean that it's not a human being. And here, if any true believer who would claim to believe in the authority of Scripture, if they had any question at all whether a newly conceived child is a real human being, they need only to look at this passage to know the answer. Because I'm sure that no Christian would dare say that John the Baptist, having grown for six months in the womb, to the point that he could leap in the womb, was not human. 
I can't imagine any true believer saying that a baby who could be felt in the womb by its mother was only a potential human being and not yet fully human. No true believer would say that Elizabeth could still choose at six months to kill that baby. I'm sure that among true believers, we would find agreement there. However, there are some who may say, in the first trimester, the baby's not yet viable, and therefore could be aborted. So what about the other baby in this story? What about Jesus? At four and a half days after conception, if I trust a website I looked at yesterday, (laughs) the scientists call it a zygote. And at that point, they say, well, there's only just over a hundred cells. If you tried to hold that in your hand, you would not see it. And yet, the cousin of this child, still in the womb, filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, recognizes the arrival of that four to five day human. Let me draw from this well reasoned statement from Kent Hughes, and it'll be on the screen for you. As a fetus of six months, John was an emotional being. He had the capacity to be filled with the Spirit. He was so overcome that he leapt for joy. This is a sobering revelation for anyone who countenances abortion, but especially for Christians. But there's more. Mary had already conceived. She was three or four days pregnant. Jesus was a zygote. And when Jesus, a zygote in the womb of his mother, entered the room, John the Baptist, a six-month-old fetus in Elizabeth's womb, leapt for joy. And Elizabeth addressed Mary in the present tense as the mother of my Lord. In view of all this, this is Kent Hughes again, still speaking. In view of all this, I pose this question. If young Mary had gotten an abortion, would she have aborted a potential human being or the person of the eternal Son of God? Only one answer is possible. So Mary explained what she could to Mary. I mean, Elizabeth explained what she could to Mary. This was Holy Spirit exposition. You see, unless exposition is guided by the Spirit, it'll miss its mark. But Elizabeth, having been filled with the Holy Spirit, declares that this is the mother of her Lord. And like Peter, who declared that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, this was not something she figured out because she had observational gifts like Sherlock Holmes. But instead, the Holy Spirit gave this information to her. When God confirms his word, we should joyfully celebrate his gifts to us. Now the final E, encouragement. Elizabeth encouraged Mary, or I said Holy Spirit exhortation. She claimed, uh, verse 42, she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The NIRV, the New International Reader's Version, says, Elizabeth said, but why is God so kind to me? This is the question for every believer. Why is God 
so kind to me. This encouragement or Holy Spirit exhortation must have resulted in ever-increasing joy and faith for Mary. She's now seen Elizabeth and that what the angel told her about Elizabeth was true. That she had conceived in her old age. You see, God is gracious to give us glimpses of his faithfulness that bring us great joy. In this case, it's more than just a glimpse, isn't it? Imagine how encouraging this must have been. And it should cause us to ask ourselves, how can we likewise encourage others? If we hold that the scriptures are true, we must believe the account of this encounter. We must learn from Elizabeth the humility required to celebrate with joy when someone is blessed even beyond what we ourselves were. When God confirms his word to us, our faith must increase and we must worship. When we don't believe, our unbelief is an assault on the character of God because we're saying he's a liar. When we refuse to worship him with joy, it's an affront to his majesty. So we need to practice celebrating good news that others have received. We need to model the humility of Elizabeth who did not feel any need whatsoever to compete with Mary. But rather she rejoiced to be given the grace to play her part. It's been said that it is easier to mourn with those who mourn than rejoice with those who rejoice. And there's certainly truth in that outside the church. You know it's true. Complain or have something to mourn about and people will join in. But to celebrate some achievement or some blessing or other source of joy in this world does not bring out much support. Particularly if you succeeded above someone else. They don't want to support you, do they? Not many people will be happy for you. Let it not be said in the church that we cannot celebrate with each other the joy-giving events of life. So energy... Mary quickly put her faith into action and went to Elizabeth, which was Holy Spirit empowered. Excitement, Elizabeth and John reacted. That was Holy Spirit endorsement. Explanation, Elizabeth explained her excitement. That's Holy Spirit exposition and encouragement. Elizabeth encouraged Mary and that was Holy Spirit exhortation. When God confirms his word, we should joyfully celebrate his gifts to us. David was so excited when the ark was brought back to Israel because it signified the presence of God. He danced with all his might. He was leaping and dancing. John leaped in the womb when the presence of God came near him. We know already he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, and in this sense, that was his first prophecy. He was announcing the Lord Jesus even before he was born. Luke, as he writes this account, is sure to remind us again and again and again of God's Holy Spirit and his part in this story. Now, if we look at the Gospels chronologically, Luke has the earliest narrative because his chronology of the, of the Gospel starts with Zechariah in the temple. Mark and John, they jump right to the adulthood of both Jesus and John. Although John actually starts from the beginning in a sense because it says 
in the beginning, you know. So, um, but he does jump right to the adult Jesus. And Matthew begins with the birth of Jesus with a slightly different Christmas narrative that we'll look at probably sometime this holiday season. But chronologically, Luke has the earliest gospel account. So the first mention of the Holy Spirit in the gospels is from Luke 1.15, where Gabriel is speaking to Zechariah in the temple. He says he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. The second mention of the Holy Spirit in the Gospels is in Luke 1.35. The angel answered her, that's Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And the third mention of the Holy Spirit in the Gospels is right here in our passage this morning. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us not forget that we need the Holy Spirit to understand. We need the Holy Spirit to have the energy to serve God. That is his empowerment. When the Holy Spirit confirms to us the truth of God's word, that is his endorsement of those truths that should bring us excitement. When we need the word clarified, the Holy Spirit exposits it for us so that we will have a more complete explanation of the things of God. And the Holy Spirit exhorts or encourages us in our faith. Our job is to believe. We're commanded to do so. We're compelled to do so. Why does Mary say, why does Elizabeth say Mary is blessed? Because she believed. Because she believed. Mary is blessed to believe. That is because the belief itself is a gift. She's blessed because she believed in this sense. She was presently and would in the future receive blessing for her belief. So that's one sense she's blessed because of her belief. And she's blessed because she believed in this sense. She's blessed because she was given the gift of faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Have you received the gift of faith? And so it is that Elizabeth felt exceedingly blessed. Grace upon grace could be used for Elizabeth. She was blessed because she had her own baby in her womb. But then when Mary walked in, she realized, this goes far beyond my blessing. And I'm blessed because Mary's here. And she's carrying my Lord. And, and so Mary was a blessing to Elizabeth in that way too. Elizabeth felt exceedingly blessed, her own blessing to be a mother, finally. And of course, now she sees what's even greater. I hope that you will receive the gift of faith as well. But only the Lord can give that gift. And if you haven't received it, all you have to do is ask him.
Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the message from your word this morning. I pray that for us who believe and have saving faith in Jesus Christ, that you would encourage our faith and show us through these examples of these two women who believed you how we can encourage one another in the faith. And Lord, if there's anyone here, and there likely is, who has not yet put saving faith in you, then Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit and through your word, that you would draw people to yourself. Because Jesus said, no one comes to me unless the Father draws. Lord, may you do that work in our midst that we may have the privilege to witness it and to see people come to faith in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.